When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And for this week's episode, I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo. Are you ready to worship at the altar of Denis Villeneuve? That was my impression of the score. Does that work? (laughs) (laughs) That's something. Uh, We'll get get to the score. Um, But yeah, so for this episode, we're here to discuss the highly anticipated film Dune, which you probably weren't able to tell from Mike's improvised Hans Zimmer score. Um, (laughs) Dune's finally hitting theaters this week after, God, a year plus of delays. This has been a movie that we've been waiting for for a while. Um, But we were lucky enough to catch a screening of the film a little early. Felt like it's worth the in-depth discussion. Plus, it means that listeners will get a week off from us talking about horror films this month. Uh Um, I know we'll, we'll get back to horror films, at least one more uh, before Halloween. And uh, but for now, we're going we're gonna to get nerdy and talk sci fi. So <laughs> something new. Yeah. Get nerdy. Something <laughs> new. At least this time they don't have superhero capes or anything, I suppose. Yeah. So for those not aware, Dune is the latest film that uh, tries to adapt Frank Herbert's iconic classic sci fi novel from 1965. Um, And the story takes place thousands of years in the future as the House Atreides takes control of the most valuable planet in the known universe, Arrakis, which is also called Dune. However, as they take responsibility for Arrakis and its natural resource, which is called Spice, there are political goings on behind the scenes that threaten to disrupt everything. Oh, yeah. And on top of that, there's the young Paul Atreides, who may or may not be a messiah-like being that people have been waiting for. If that description doesn't make it abundantly clear already, Dune is not a fun, action-packed, Star Wars-esque jaunt. It's a hard sci-fi epic that has more on its mind about philosophy and politics than it does about spaceship battles and laser swords. And for this discussion, just so people are aware, we are going to keep things spoiler-free. So don't worry if you haven't seen the film yet, haven't read the book or anything like that. We're going to do our best to not ruin anything. Okay, but before we get to that, before we talk Dune and Arrakis and all the the fun words that we're going to butcher pronouncing. I got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse Podcast, and much more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. And as I just said there, kind of hinted towards, uh, the Discourse is back, hosted by nobody, anybody? Crickets. No, it's me. <laughs> yeah mike is going to uh to to bring back the discourse with some interviews uh your first one is up already it's with bill Hader. um your second one is with who again from invasion uh shamir anderson shamir anderson so check those out uh in the uh playlist podcast network feed wherever you get yeah. that heck yeah okay mike let's start the discussion by giving listeners a bit of context i'm an avid fan of dune I've read the novel multiple times. I've read most of the sequel novels. I've seen David Lynch's 1984 adaptation, which isn't beloved, but I enjoy. And I actually watched the Sci-Fi Channel miniseries from, I think it was 2000, that 
also tried to adapt Frank Herbert's novel. Needless to say, I'm really into this story and I had high hopes for the film. But I'm going to start with you because I want you to explain what your history is with Dune or the lack thereof. Yeah, I am the exact opposite of that. I never read the books. I'd never seen the 80s movie. I, you know, know close to nothing about it other than, you know, people mentioning certain things that crossed over with Star Wars, um, which I, you know, like many people grew up on and, and didn't really veer outside of Star Wars because, you know, I, I'm a sinner, but I'm coming back to it. And uh, I'm I'm figuring it out, even though with this one, I had the opportunities, you know, to read the books, to watch the movies. But as yeah, soon the as delay Denis, gave you all the time in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Denis being attached to it, I wanted to see his vision of it just because I knew I've loved everything I've seen that uh, Denis Villeneuve has done. Um, so I just wanted to to go in as clean as possible and, and not have that book in my head going oh that's different or oh that's different or maybe that's not what I thought it was going to be because I've had that with movies that people have absolutely loved looking at Annihilation and I've hated (laughs) the movies so I wanted to go in as clean as possible and and just kind of be as ignorant as possible okay Mr. Ignorant Mm -hmm. with that out all the way why don't you tell folks what you thought as a Dune noob what you (laughs) thought of this movie do do we call them doobs is that no. no, I guess we're not. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, right. What are your overall thoughts? Uh, overall, I thought it was really, really well made and, and really entertaining. Um, a bit sparse in comparison to a lot of the things that people compare Dune to. Um, but, sparse as in how? Uh, just a little bit sl- more slowly paced. Um, But as far as like the story and uh, the acting and the visuals and the score, everything was top notch. Uh, The only thing that I can really hold against it is that where a lot of big blockbuster epics that they're making a part one of where they want to make sequels, they still make the first one a complete full story, you know, with a first, second, third act. This is not that movie. Like they decidedly end it in the middle of the story. So your enjoyment of it may hinge on the second part, um, which is interesting. And I still liked the movie, but it's very much like, a, oh, shit. Now, how long do we have to wait for this? Or do we even get part two? Or I don't know. But it, the, the, you know, cinematography, the effects are so real that. I don't know that I've ever been so convinced by special effects before. I know a lot of it is practical, but you know, there's only so much you can do uh, before you have to do a little CGI. And even the CGI itself was super convincing. So it's a very immersive and uh, enjoyable experience. If you're really into sci-fi uh, it's very, you know, uh, star Wars meets game of Thrones meets foundation, a little bit of Lord of Rings in there. So I, I thought it was very, very good. I'm very nervous to see how it does at the box office, though. Fair enough. OK, so my thoughts on this film uh, as the opposite of you, as somebody who comes in with a deep love of the story and uh, some pretty good knowledge, I will not say uh, that I'm the most uh, knowledgeable Dune fan out there because there are people that have read everything and have studied it and all that but I do have good knowledge at least especially with this book Um, with all that out of the way I absolutely love this movie 100% top to bottom I think it is incredible Um, the cinematography like you said is just unreal 
so I think I mentioned this to you after we left the screening, but $200 million, you're given $200 million to make a movie. You can make it one of two ways. You can do what Marvel does and you can put it all on green screen, hire the best CGI uh, artists out there. You can do all of that and it can look good, but there's that kind of uncanny valley effect where it feels like distant. It feels like not real. Whereas by setting this in real locations, it's clear they're in the desert. It was clear they're in these massive sets. Um, by having all of that, they're, they're wearing the costumes, you know, it felt real. It did. The CGI enhanced like it was supposed to. And the cinematography was epic and beautiful and large scale and everything you expect from the guy who did Blade Runner 2049. But I even think he, he upped himself even from that. Yeah. Uh, and and people proved upon it each each outing. Yeah. And people look at 2049 and, and say it's like one of the benchmark is, is like one of the most beautiful sci-fi movies of all time. I think this is now the new benchmark. I think this is going to make people who watch it uh, second guess what Disney's done with Star Wars. Like <laughs> not to throw shade on Star Wars because these are, are decidedly different stories, but just the look and feel. This feels like a sci-fi story set on another planet way, way far away. And it doesn't feel like it was made in a green screen. It doesn't feel like it was made, um, you know, using all the, the gadgets and gizmos. It feels like Denis traveled to Arrakis and filmed what happened. And that's, I mean, that's incredible. The music also, I think, fits perfectly. You you joked about the, yeah. the Hans it Zimmer. It really like, is incredible. I was joking, yes. Yeah, it's, it's unlike other Hans Zimmer scores. I was talking with editor-in-chief Rodrigo, and he said that uh, he knew Hans Zimmer uh, did the score, but as he watched it, he second guessed himself. He's like, I guess Hans didn't do it. I guess I was wrong. And it wasn't until <laughs> the, the credits where he was like, Oh, okay, cool. Right. So like, it, it's not the inception score. It's not the dark Knight score. This is him doing something different and not a lot of blahs. None really about. at all. Right. And, and if a movie needs a blonde, this is it. Like yeah. we're talking like big ships entering frame and stuff, but no, not a blah that I can remember. Yeah. Um, so that's incredible. But and, and and I know this is going to get boring if I keep just raving, but I will say the <laughs> acting from top to bottom is incredible, too. You knew going into this with this cast um, that it was going to be uh, really good, but it also could have been distracting, right? Like Timothy Chalamet, Oscar Isaac, uh, Jason Momoa, who um, Mike and I like to poke fun at from time to time because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Aquaman, but uh, even Momoa, like is captivating in this my man my man um <laughs> no my mans um no my mans. but he he's really good as duncan idaho and yeah so i absolutely love this movie the big the big if though is will if we're gonna get a part two because you're absolutely right this isn't like uh the part one of part two like remember when marvel announced the uh Infinity War. It was originally going to be Infinity War Part One and then Part Two, and then they changed it to be Infinity War and Endgame because they were two different movies. This is most definitely a Part One. This is not Dune Two or Part Two is not going to be a different movie. This is this is like you watch the first episode of a really great TV series and you don't know if they're going to make another. Yeah, one hundred percent. And the the real I heard someone say, I forgot who it was, that this is quite possibly the biggest equivalent of cinematic blue balls, <laughs> because there's it, it's, there's a good chance 
that this will not get a part two just because I wouldn't of how say, expensive it was. I wouldn't say a good chance. Okay. I would say right now it's probably 50-50. This movie, well, we're not going to get too in the weeds about part two just yet, but this movie uh, has already earned quite a bit overseas and it is getting hampered by the HBO Max release, um, which we'll also talk about. But I, I think, I think Denis has done something special with this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think Warner Brothers understands that. And I hope that that kind of just gets him the green light no matter what other than like a complete and utter failure. Uh, I, I would hope that that I'll, is part uh, of the deal. A lot of other HBO max max releases this year, like suicide <sighs> squad that was critically, you know, lauded and made $0. Yeah. I, I think I really, I really hope that people understand that this is not suicide squad in the sense that this is not a movie that you can get by watching on TV. You will, yeah. without a doubt, have a different viewing experience if you don't see this in theaters. Um, and, and it could be a very like bad viewing experience, depending on how you watch it. If you're distracted, if you're on a, you know, a 32 inch TV versus a 85 inch TV, you know, like the, the bigger the screen, the better the sound system, the more you're going to enjoy this point blank. Yep. Uh, let's, let's get into a little bit more specifics here, because I think the contrast between me and you is, is pretty great as far as the knowledge of the story goes. Oh yeah. So as a new person with little to no knowledge of the source material, did you feel lost at any point? Because I want to, I want to warn people, this is not, again, this isn't star Wars. This is hard sci-fi. This is probably closer to game of Thrones in the sense that it's a lot of world building, a lot of characters being thrown at you, a lot of words that are, are not English. And uh, yeah, so so at any point were you like eyes glazed over and, and checked out? No, I would. I, it's it's pretty easy to follow. The only stuff that I didn't really understand was were threads that they didn't really tie up or they didn't feel the need to explain, which I asked you a lot of questions in the car. But none of it was like, this is a pivotal. You need this information to understand the movie. A lot of it's pretty understandable. The, the exposition is there. They, they definitely throw some in there to, to hold the audience. I mean, hand. it starts with the exposition. Yeah. So, um, it, but it's not really bothersome. I wouldn't say I, I'm kind of a stickler for exposition. If it feels super handholdy for me, I get kind of annoyed. Um, so that's, it, it, it kind of hampers my enjoyment of a lot of blockbuster movies that come out, but this didn't bother me at all just because everything was so well done like you're immersed into this world like i've never seen before uh on really any scale i mean chris nolan movies are probably the closest thing to compare it to like the first theatrical experience you get with each chris nolan release is very unique denis is kind of making himself someone that you really need to see in a theater to fully experience the movie and and i love that kind of filmmaking i think though the to not to compare and contrast too much, but the difference between Denis Villeneuve and Christopher Nolan, um, they both have very good eyes for beautiful cinematography, beautiful Mm -hmm. sets and design and all of that. But where like something like Dune uh, rises above those Nolan movies. And I've been a vocal critic of, of Nolan for a long time, but I do enjoy some of his stuff. I think Denis doesn't drop the ball in characters at all. Mm. And I think that one of the good things uh, I would say, I would argue one of the necessary things about adapting Dune is you have to have a long period of time with these characters because otherwise, and if you haven't seen the Lynch version, but if you do go back and watch the the Lynch version, 
it's it's like a speed run of Dune. It's uh, <laughs> the very bare necessities. You're getting thrown characters and situations, wham, bam, wham, bam. And this really allows you, even though it's it's half of a movie and half of a story, it really does allow you to like sit in this world for a bit longer and really understand these characters and understand their motivations and feel the emotion, um, which I don't necessarily feel like a film, like one, two and a half hour version of Dune can do, or like what you get maybe with an interstellar or uh, an inception um, Mm -hmm. where it's more style over substance. I think this is uh, a pretty good balance of both. Yeah. The, the only thing that I would say, I mean, I haven't seen part two yet is that it might've been a better TV show. Like this is the age of TV, but I don't know that you could have made it look like this and get the cast that they got um, if they were going to make this a TV show. I mean, casting, we've seen tons of, of TV series get, major casting and get the budget and get quality filmmakers. I don't know that Denis does this movie on TV. Um, oh no, I don't think so. And I, I think this is uh, the success of this is less to do with the fact that it's Dune and more to do with the fact that this is a complete vision from a really good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know that. Uh, yes. A Dune would be a really great TV show. This version of Dune is not a TV show though. So sure. Yeah. Which is why they're making, what is it, Dune the Sisterhood? Yeah, which follows the Bene Gesserit um, people, mm-hmm. which are uh, which are very interesting if you know the, the backstory. They only hint a little bit. Well, no, they do a pretty good job, I guess, in this of explaining the Bene Gesserits. But yeah. Yeah, there's a, a good dabble into, into yeah, the Bene yeah. But But they're, the, that, that has the opportunity to be something um, really unique and, and different than this movie and this story. Because this is really the story of Paul Atreides, um, who's Timothy Chalamet, played by Timothy Chalamet, I should say. And uh, yeah, anyway, let's let's continue about the visuals here. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I want to talk about one thing that, that I think people might listen to this and, and get a little turned off by. I want to stress that when we talk about how beautiful the visuals are, this isn't uh, James Cameron trickery. This isn't 3D technology. This isn't like a new revolutionary film in, you know, using some sort of tech, like what they do in the Mandalorian even, but at the same time, this feels utterly unique and kind of like it raises the bar on sci-fi films. So what, what do you (laughs) think is the, the reason why, what does Denis do that these other filmmakers who have, you know, same budget, same tools just fail to do? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he he has a real attention to detail and he has a real insistence on making whatever you can practical, practical. So uh, I think that is kind of the secret sauce there for him. But he just has this real uh, understanding of how to make something scale and make it look real. Like, Like you said, Blade Runner 2049 looked amazing. But this is like a whole different look and a whole different scale that is, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's like watching someone that, you know, we're going to look back on as like the master of, (laughs) of this, you know, age. And, and, you know, uh, this is just quite likely the middle of it. Like he's only growing every time he puts out a movie. So I'm really looking forward to just seeing whatever Denis puts out. Yeah, it's. It, I agree. I think it's the attention to detail. I think it's his patience too. Mm. This is a guy who will make a two and a half hour part one of a movie that doesn't even uh, tell a full story, and then still find time to to focus on sand 
for like 10 <laughs> seconds where you're like, wow. And just lets you like breathe it in, you know? Uh, and I watched uh, Prisoners the night before. And that's probably outside of uh, now Dune. It's probably my favorite Denis movie. I love Prisoners. And even then with a much smaller budget, a much more small scale story, there's that patience, you know, the the lingering shots and the just beautiful sets and just everything. And And I just think that with more money, he's able to not just get lost in it. He's able to just use it, um, yeah. which is, uh, which we, you know, we'll see what Chloe Zhao can do with Eternals. But I, I, I'm curious to see uh, how many of these other actors who are known for their visual or actors, I'm sorry, these filmmakers who are known for their visuals when it comes to smaller scale stories can translate like Denis has done with big budgets. Because you're right, like Blade Runner is incredible uh, in the sense that it's just an absolutely beautiful film that feels probably more expensive than the price tag. And I think Dune <laughs> is another one. Like after everything's all said and done, Dune may very well cost close to half a billion dollars for both parts. And I feel like, you know, they're getting every penny, um, which you can't yep. say with, with even a James Cameron movie. Like, you know, you look at, granted is a decade ago, but you look at the first um, Avatar movie and, you know, sure the CGI is going to get better with the sequels and all that, but there's just that, like I said before, that uncanny valley of like, I feel like I'm watching a, not a cartoon, but just something not cartoon adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Like not, not real, not like I could feel it and touch it and smell it. And this is, um, this is different. This feels like I was on Arrakis and that as a fan of the story is just like all I could ever ask for. Yeah. Like I said, this is top-notch stuff uh, definitely going to make my my top 10 of the year it's too early to say that but you know it's it's wonderful it really is let's briefly we've, we've talked about Hans Zimmer a little bit but what what do you think that is the difference with this score and his other ones you're you're a music person oh, was boy. there anything you you like picked out and you're like oh my god this is weird or at any point where you're just like oh no this sounds like Hans Zimmer it seemed like he incorporated a lot um and I don't know if this is just me reading into it, but it seemed like there was a very middle middle Eastern influence. Yeah. A lot of, uh, you know, incorporation of different kind of middle Eastern vocalists in a, in a very interesting and kind of sci-fi way. Um, so that's something that you don't really hear from him. He's very much uh, like an orchestral type dude and he'll incorporate, you know, interesting like guitar techniques or, every once in a while but for the most part i don't really remember hearing him use a ton of vocalists in the past maybe i'm completely wrong and people will be like you're a freaking idiot you didn't listen to the man of steel enough um but yeah i don't know uh for for me it just seemed wholly different from anything he's done at least recently yeah yeah i agree i i I tend to be, I have a blind spot when it comes to, to scores. I, I tend to only notice when they're really bad or really good. Yeah. Um, and, and this one from jump just felt really good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like it felt like, okay, this is a perfect marrying of visual and audio in a way that, that works for the story. And it doesn't cause you know, he's Hans Zimmer kind of gets criticized a little bit for the Christopher Nolan scores and uh, they're great and iconic, but they're also very, like, like we said, blah, you know, and, yeah. and, and almost overwhelming. And there are some points where, you, where the music does get huge, but I don't think it ever detracts from anything that's happening on screen. It only, you know, adds to it, I think. Yeah, agreed. 
Cool. So let's talk about this cast uh, led by Timothy Chalamet. But like I said, it has, you know, a star studded cast. I mean, Josh Brolin, you know, has a he's probably like fifth on here. Stellan Skarsgård is probably at the bottom of the list. Like there's just there's a lot of people on here. So for you, were there any standouts or any letdowns one way or another um, in this cast that, that stood out? Hmm. I mean, standouts outside of like the, the two people who would be considered leads here are Timothy and Rebecca Ferguson. Both of them are excellent. Oscar Isaac is fantastic. I would say I was expecting more out of Momoa, to be honest. Really? <laughs> he was okay. charismatic, but he was his, he's, I, I heard a lot of people say he's different than he's ever, ever been in any movie. And I thought he was pretty much the Jason Momoa character. <laughs> um you know, within Dune. And that was fine. I was totally cool with him being, you know, that action charismatic dude that he is in a lot of movies. Um, but just, you know, through Denise lens and, and obviously Stellan, I don't know how he sat through that makeup chair, man. It must've been <laughs> a day of, of makeup. And I don't know how they get him back for the next one because he must've just been miserable, but it really looks crazy and, and interesting. Um, but yeah, d- other standouts, I'm not sure I would really point down the, uh, the casting sheet, you know, uh, there was definitely some people that popped up here and there that you're like, oh, that's interesting, but they didn't really pop for me as much as like the big names. Yeah. I think, uh, if you're, if you're watching the trailers for this movie and you're expecting to see some of the names and huge roles, you'll be surprised at how small some of the roles are, mm-hmm. um, this really is led by Timothy Chalamet and Rebecca Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, they are in a lot of scenes together and they're great. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson in particular, um, when you read the book, Lady Jessica, who she plays, is a character that is strong in the book, but also given kind of a, a less than uh, sort of role in the uh, story because, you know, this is written 50 some years ago and women you know having strong female characters was was very rare let's just say but uh rebecca ferguson while not altering the character in any huge ways brings this strength to her and this vulnerability at the same time i know Mm -hmm. that sounds kind of oxymoronish but it's true it's it's really good it's really good and i am completely uh happy with what she does uh, momoa i have to disagree with you like i said <laughs> I, i'm not a huge fan of jason momoa's work that i've seen um and i i will preface it i haven't seen everything he's done i don't know if i've seen his baywatch years or that show on <laughs> apple tv plus but you know i've seen aquaman i've seen the justice league movies i've seen uh little bits here and there of other things and i think he he sure he has that charm to him that's just like you know always going to be there but he also has a warmth to him, which is really nice. And uh, he plays off of Chalamet pretty well, I think. And as for Stellan Skarsgård, I got to say, I was worried about what they did to Baron Harkonnen um, before I saw this movie. Because in the books, and uh, especially in David Lynch's adaptation, they really focus on the grossness of the character. Um, and the grossness stems from him being fat. And uh, that can be seen as uh, low-hanging fruit nowadays um, mm. to, to just, you know, make a character fat, therefore he's evil. But I think that his body isn't 
he's he's fat sure but it's more of you know just this overall menace that stellan brings under all this makeup which looks impeccable by the way yes and uh it's it's not just his weight it's it's how he carries himself it's how he speaks it's how he floats there it's everything that is just menacing and and terrible um and and scary uh yeah and and batista who's another guy i like to pick on from time to time uh (laughs) i think he's great as as another harkonnen um so yeah i if i were to say there is any letdown i would say that the only reason that some of the characters don't shine as much as others is reduced screen time for me yeah but you know that's just the the nature of the beast so to speak so um before we wrap up here i want to know are you excited for the sequel oh my god yes okay uh, it it feels like everything you want to see is going to happen in the next movie <laughs> and you just have to sit here and hope that it gets made and yeah. i really really hope it gets made but there's a lot of things working against it yeah. So we'll see. And if a sequel doesn't, obviously, well, to answer my own question, obviously I'm excited. Duh. Mm-hmm. But if a sequel doesn't get made and all we get is part one, do you think that this is a satisfying film in Villeneuve's career? Uh, satisfying in that is it, it, it's a landmark in uh, sci-fi filmmaking. Sure. But as a complete story, no. It, it, like I said before, it's, it's cinematic blue balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where you're just never going to get to the end uh so i mean that would be so so disappointing um i i can't stress how much they just need to make dune part two even if they're <laughs> they're gonna lose money just make it please yeah yeah it, it would be the equivalent of like i i would guess like if game of thrones just uh showed you like uh, yeah, if they ended one season before, which might have been... To no, no, no. Up. I was going to say even worse. I was going to say <laughs> if it ends with... Uh, spoilers for Game of Thrones. If it ended with Ned Stark getting his head cut off and you just never knew what happened next. <laughs> right? Like, it would be like, what? No, you can't. And that's... I mean, yeah. And if you've read the book, you obviously know know what happens. And and you can probably guess going into it where they're going to do the cutoff. It's exactly where you think it is. And... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff that can come in part two uh, if they get the money. Um, so, so yeah, let's hope. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and one last thing. Uh, let's talk about the HBO Max of it all. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that is unfortunately uh, getting released both in theaters and on HBO Max on the same day. And adding to the unfortunateness is the fact that they won't charge people on HBO Max to see this movie. So there's going to be a very strong draw for people just to watch it for free at home obviously this is i'm just devastated by this news mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, having seen the movie in theaters i i assume you agree yeah i uh, sci-fi diehards i highly encourage you to see it but the people that are on the fence i don't know that they're gonna really go out of their way to to go to the theater um like my wife is interested in seeing it but I don't think she's going to make the trek. Like it's been a while and, and, and it's a two and a half hour movie. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's up in the air, man. I, I really, really hope people do make the trip because it is a unique theatrical experience. And you can't say that very often these days. Um, well, you can say it a lot and people do, but this truly is. Um, 
so see it in a theater and then because well, free guy i know you love free guy but not yeah. the same theatrical experience <laughs> really not i saw it in a theater and on digital so do the same thing see it in the theater first and then pick it apart on hbo max if you want to watch it a bunch of times and really soak it in yeah and, and that's what bums me out i think is that the for this movie to truly succeed and and to really guarantee that part two will be made it requires a solid box office and you're not going to have solid box office from the hardcore frank herbert fans or denis villeneuve heads um this is going to require that it really crosses over with people and i think i think blade runner 2049 proved that denis heads aren't really turning up in mass (laughs) no no and (laughs) and that's the thing is it's a hard sell to tell somebody And, and by the way they don't the marketing may tell you otherwise, but Denis does not hide the fact that this is part one. It is, you've probably heard this before. It is in the opening titles. It says Dune part one, and there's no denying that this is only half a story. So yeah. trying to sell people on a two and a half hour movie that's half a story and is a bit slower than, you know, a Marvel movie or Star Wars or Star Trek even. Um, that's a tough one, man. It really is. And yeah. Interesting. They don't have part one on any of the marketing well they can't yeah they can't because they know that that'll scare people off people nowadays you have people who you know wait to watch tv shows um as long as they can watch an entire season at once you know and the idea of which is you know the issue with uh why marvel probably stopped uh with calling it infinity War, war part one and two and hunger games i think learned this and twilight and harry potter and all these you know, is that when you do a part one and a part two, it tends to to hurt at the box office. Mm-hmm. So yeah, makes, makes complete sense. I don't know how they're going to do uh, when they do. And I'm going to say it optimistically when they do part two, if they'll just call it Dune part two or Dune two, or I don't know, that'll be interesting. <laughs> the Dune inning. Uh, but uh, all that to say, I, I implore people, if you are at all interested in seeing this movie, even if you're not sure you're going to enjoy it, just see it in theaters if it's safe, um, because it's something that you really should enjoy. And I think you would enjoy it 100% more if you saw it on the big screen. Um, if you watch it, even if you've got like a nice TV set up at home, it's just not going to be the same. Um, and if you're even at all thinking about watching this on a phone or a tablet, <sighs> that's my disappointment in you. <laughs> I'm going to call your parents and I'm going to tell your them, toilet now, young man. <laughs> yeah, this is, you've disappointed me. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Is all I'm, I'm mad. Saying. Yeah, this is, this is not, this is, this is making me feel like an old man. Like Martin Scorsese here. This is not a movie. This is a cinematic achievement that should be viewed on the biggest screen possible. End Absolutely. Okay. End of story. End of story and end of podcast. So uh, Dune is coming out in theaters October 22nd. Make sure you go and see it. Um, again, if it's safe, I'm not trying to get you to risk your life for it, but you know, definitely see it on the biggest screen possible. Uh, any parting thoughts before we say goodbye, Mike? I we record this on Zoom and I think Zoom hears that noise and automatically cancels it out. So you just like we hear the the first like what like maybe half a second of it and then Zoom just cuts your mic. That's not me cutting his mic. Um uh, either so, way, it's fantastic. It is. And hey, if you want to just pregame, 
I recommend going on YouTube. They have uh, Warner Brothers has already released the entire Hans Zimmer score. Don't listen score. to it. Listen to it with the movie. Do I don't know, man. I enjoyed it. I listened to it today. It was great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so everybody go see Dune. It's fantastic. And yeah, we'll be back with more horror stuff next week and and just more fun. So just listen to, to us and listen to the discourse and listen to the whole Playlist Podcast Network. Thank you. Hey-o. Thank you.